Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovelies. Uh, today I am speaking with another wonderful woman, a inspiring and fun and just super positive girl called Emma Martin. She'll be speaking at Low Carb Adelaide, Brisbane and Cairns. She's so enthusiastic about the low carb and ketogenic way of living and she will have an enormous number of tips for you to take away. If you'd like to come to either Low Carb Adelaide, Low Carb Cairns, Low Carb Brisbane, then check out the website at all the W's, lowcarbroadshow.com. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dr. Lucy. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Awesome. Thank you. Sweating here in Queensland, actually. <laughs> of course you are. Whereas in Melbourne, where I've still got, I'm, I'm sitting here with my socks on. So, um, gorgeous woman, I thought we would start by just I guess, telling our audience a little bit about you and how you came across the low-carb way of eating. I was actually really struggling. I just didn't know why. And I found uh, I was sort of doing a bit of research. So I was pre-diabetic. I just didn't know it. Hung off the pantry door and the fridge door every day for years. And I'd been back and forth to a well-known eating organisation, beginning with WW for gosh, since my daughter was six months old. And I just started Googling and all of a sudden I stumbled onto keto. And of course, when you Google keto, you're going to die. <laughs> um, then you go, okay, well, maybe low carbs going to be easier. And I started just cutting out my sugars and my refined carbohydrates, which was a bit of a challenge because I love pasta like we do. Had I'm like, what am I going to eat my eggs on if I don't eat it on bread? And I just started making those simple changes and then I managed to hook in with a community that was here on the Gold Coast and all of a sudden, like this community started teaching me the little things and I started following um, people like you guys and Jason Fung and Eric Berg and, yeah, and went, oh, my gosh, how is it possible that I feel so good? I've got to tell everybody about this and I got really loud and really vocal and just went, you got to find out about it, you know. Wonderful. And then I, I, you wrote a book. I did. I, um, what happened was COVID broke out and I had all this time on my hands because my diary with my other business just collapsed. I went, okay, well, I'm going to do a diploma of nutrition and learn about this and I'm going to write a book at the same time. And I did. I wrote a book called The F Word, Confessions of a Cheesecake Lover because, you know, that was me. And in there I share stories about, you know, looking for ways to make cheesecake low-carb and keto-friendly. But it's more about empowering people to know that they can just make those little switches and that it's not hard. It, it needs to be simple. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you're really good at, Em, is really getting into the practicality, the nitty-gritty of how to actually do this. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people roll their eyes at artificial sweeteners, but it was a lifesaver for me. I don't think I would have ever been able to get off sugar if I hadn't used those sweeteners. And I don't eat much of that anymore. I'm four and a half years into my journey, but I think for me, they were really useful. So it was about teaching people how to make cheesecake using not sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, um, 
uh, you know, it's a monumental thought. So, I mean, there are people out there and and they get very rigorous in it in their idea that, you know, it's my way or the highway. And for many people, using alternate sweeteners are is a wonderful transition. And I think then people will, if there's a roadblock or, or there's something that's, you know, stopping them meeting their goals, they may need to go, right, well, what else in my diet could I change? Mm. But certainly for that first bit, you're absolutely right. I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's about, okay, I need to level up. What else can I change? So, and I don't really have many sweeteners anymore, but I teach people. So I do cooking classes and courses and all that sort of stuff. And I teach people, okay, these are the little changes you can make. However, when your results stop progressing, these are the things that you can change. Firstly, look at sweeteners, look at your water intake. You know, most of us, as you know, don't drink enough water. So it's just those little stupid, simple things that we don't think anything about that help us level up and, and complete the game of Tetris. Yes, absolutely. You know, where you're slotting the bits in and you're ka-ching, you clear another level, ka-ching. And I think that's really those simple switches are, are just the, they're the key. Uh, absolutely. And you know what's hilarious? Like, so once upon a time when I was a young mum, I had I had postnatal depression and I went and saw a psychiatrist and I was trying to do all the things. And he said to me, as I'm lugging this gigantic pile of washing out every morning, he goes, why don't you get a, a um, washing trolley? And I go, what? <laughs> and he goes, just get a washing trolley. It will make your life easier. And I just thought, are you serious? Anyway, seriously, I fell in love with that washing trolley. It then became something I used for all sorts of things. So sometimes you do need someone to point out the obvious. Yeah, I love that story because it seems like the simplest thing, but of course it's going to help you carry your washing. Yet, And I think these tools are so underestimated. And I think that when, you know, you get the real keto and low-carb purists that go, oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, you can't do that. But at the end of the day, it's the washing trolley that makes the job simpler. And if it means that that's sustainable, then that's the key, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, progress, not perfection. Perfection, it's so interesting. Again, our brains are hardwired for, well, actually, are they hardwired? They're probably not hardwired. They're conditioned for perfection. And so many people have this idea that if they're not doing it perfectly, then there's no point. You're right. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it comes from the teachers wrapping our knuckles with rulers at school. You know, for me, I think if I'd had to just go cold turkey, there's no way I would have made it. And so for me, it was those little changes. So when I started, you know, I was buying the Queen's maple syrup, which has 73 nasty ingredients in it. But you don't know what you don't know. So now I'll make a clean version of that and teach people how to make, say, maybe a keto jam using two or three ingredients. So it's still better than the alternatives. I think the biggest benefit is watching people grow and change and, and seeing the level ups in their journeys. You know, it's super rewarding, that stuff, just like your washing trolley. Oh, absolutely. And, in fact, not just rewarding but life-changing for your clients and for Dr Mary and my, our patients. It's just, you know, knowing that you're helping them not just improve how they feel now, but their lifelong journey, that they're changing their trajectory. 
I agree with you. You know, one of the, I mean, I lost a ton of weight. I think I lost, well, weight, <laughs> fat mass, because we know about weight and fat mass and all of that sort of stuff. I think I lost four or five gene sizes, but that wasn't the biggest benefit. It's not even about the fat loss. It's about the health that I manage. Like my sleep is better, but above all, it's my relationship with my daughter. Ah, tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Like, so her dad was doing keto. So I sort of, he's like, oh, you should try it. I'm like, nah, you know. So I sort of had, I'd watched him and he was doing it because my stepson had, uh, he, well, he has Asperger's and ADHD and he'd learnt about it for brain health. And so when he was telling me about it, I sort of foobarred it in a way, but my daughter was eating keto at his place and she was coming home going, mom, I feel so much better when I'm at dad's. So I'm like, all right, let's give it a go. So we just did those little replacements. We made noodles out of cabbage or zucchini or, you know, all the little replacements that at, that seem so silly to me now are just the things that make the biggest difference. But the relationship with her, so I'm 51 now. At that point I was 46 heading into pre-menopause and she was, you know, mid-teens. So you've got this 50-year-old menopausal pre-diabetic woman and this teenager who's in, got raging hormones. You know, the, the trajectory of that wasn't going to be good. But now I have the space to deal and talk to her how she deserves. Yeah, yeah, to have a mum that's not going up and down on the sugar roller coaster. Yep, and a teenager that's not doing the same. You can imagine, our, you know, our relationship is, I want to say healed, but it was never broken. But now I've got the presence of mind to hear her and be really present and to impact her life. And, you know, I don't know how many cooking classes at school she's been kicked out of because she raves about the opposite of the food pyramid. It's wonderful. So proud. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So enhanced, you've enhanced your relationship, which is wonderful. What's really interesting there is the idea that sometimes seeing somebody else do something is then what helps you to make that change. So she, you know, was seeing her dad do it, so she was doing it. So you did it. Yeah. And and with that research, I guess you learn all the other stuff along the way. So I'm a researcher. And like you said before, my, my superpower is to translate science into everyday words. It's like, okay, well, what does spiking blood sugar mean? What does insulin mean? Okay. Well, if you, you know, you eat the wrong foods, you spike your blood sugar and now you're in storage mode. It's as simple as that. And clean up all your bits by just minimizing and changing. So I think you're right. When you see other people, you're sort of watching going, oh, that's kind of a bit too good to be true because people doing low carb and keto are raving about how they feel. And I think it only takes that one spark to light the fire and then the fire catches. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And the great thing is that, you know, because you, you do, you feel like a zealot at times, but uh, but I guess the thing is that you and I have gone, well, how can we be zealoty? without ostracizing every single person we know and it's you make it your job it's now your career and people pay to hear you. you bang on about low carb it's so true and I think you know automatically when you go wow how's this even happening how do I actually how am I bouncing out of bed when I've been dragging myself out of bed for the last you know 10 years 20 years it's like how do I feel so good eating the exact opposite of what they said yeah 
Yeah, and look, I mean, uh, it's interesting. I look and think, for me, I, it, I certainly ate well, but I supplemented it with a shit ton of sugar. And recognizing that actually that was the problem, not necessarily what I was eating. But then it was like, well, why did I eat that way in the first place? And, I, and again, I was always like you, Weight Watchers Lifetime member, always trying to lose weight and either trying to lose weight or on a bender. They were like the only two. I didn't know any different. Yeah. And I think I mean, what I really liked about Weight Watchers actually was the fact that sort of there wasn't really anything out of bounds. And this is the same in a way because with breads and stuff, as you know, you can get low-carb breads. You can make noodles. You can substitute just about anything. And I think it's a mindset change when you go, okay, well, I'm going to try this way of eating. But actually, I think we just overcomplicate it so much, don't we? And maybe that's just the way we've been brought up. Yeah, maybe. I think the thing for Weight Watchers for me was the fact there wasn't a lot on the actual nutrition side of things in all the meetings. It was all it was really all about the loopholes and how can you have chocolate mousse and still lose weight? And it was well you buy this buy this processed one that's full of all the hoo-ha and it basically tasted like a glass of chocolate fresh air. And yeah. <laughs> you would eat it and then just want more. Yeah. And I think that's the freedom, isn't it? When you start to eat this way. It's the freedom from the food slavery. And that sounds so dramatic when I say it like that, but it's the not hanging off the pantry door at 3 p.m. It's the second drawer that's not stashed with goodies anymore because now, you know, four years down the track and it's been a process, but I don't crave those things anymore. And that sort of food freedom I never had with Weight Watchers. It was more about the guilt of what I had done in the loopholes. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I'm always trying to find it. How can I, and it, you know, it comes back to that, how can you have your cake and eat it too? And whilst you certainly can doing that on a low-carb lifestyle with the alternatives, which I know you teach and you teach people how to cook cakes and it's really about the idea that, okay, well, yes, I can do those things, but I also need to look at why am I doing those things? Why am I eating the cake? Am I eating the cake because it's someone's birthday? In which case that's normal, it's part of celebration. Or am I eating the cake because I've come home after a crappy day at work and now I just need to drown my sorrows in cake and wine? Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned that looking back at my food issues, which I didn't sort of even realise I had. My grandma, we'd go to the beach when I was young. So she lived on the canals in Bar, and we would go to the beach, Bar Beach, the spit, and on the way home she would take me to the little ice cream shop. Now I can still smell those waffle cones. And to me, you know, she'd put her arm around me and she'd pull me in and go, now, my lovely, what are you going to get today? So the feeling of that love and, you know, when I, when I go through Ikea, I smell the vanilla that they plant at the restaurant. Ah. I get that loved feeling that I had from my grandma and it triggers my stomach and it triggers my hungries. Now that's, I don't know, 40, 30, 40 years later. So you're quite right. Those triggers and the reason we're eating, it's, you know, I know now when I drink a coffee with cream in it, it's because that's that's love and yumminess to me and it satisfies other things than my appetite. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing, you know, there's no right or wrong. 
there's no good or bad, but it's really just developing awareness of what you're doing because when you've got awareness, then you can make a decision with your eyes wide open. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, my sweet treats classes, they're so popular, but the ones I love the most are asking people how to eat real food, how to cook healthy protein and then build a plate. So pick a protein, add a healthy fat above the ground veg. They're my favorite classes because I'm teaching people how to eat real. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Wow. Em, you, I mean, you are a wealth of information. You are walking the walk, talking the talk. And I know you're a good talker, which is wonderful. So uh, for those of you who want to come and hear Emma speaking, as I mentioned, she will be at both Adelaide and Brisbane and possibly some other venues too, yet to be decided. But you can find out all the information that you need on the Low Carb Roadshow website. And Em, if people want to contact you, where do they find you? You can look me up on Facebook. My name's Emma Martin and the Lazy Keto Mom is my brand. I also have a website called ketocapers.com.au. So that's with K's and you'll find me there. But I can't wait to see you guys. Excellent. Look, we, we have a health crisis and the more people that know about low-carb eating and the different ways in which you can implement tips, techniques, tricks to make it easy, the better. Absolutely. Sustainability. Wonderful. So, Em, if you've got one last tip to share with our listeners, what would be your top tip to make a low-carb lifestyle sustainable? Keep it simple. When you Google keto and low-carb, of course, you are swimming against the stream and there will be people that don't understand, but you do you. And if you make a mistake or you slip up or something accidentally falls in your face or you beat yourself up, you know that's a learning and those learnings are where the gold lies. That's my biggest tip. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you very much for today, my lovely listeners. Uh, we will be back, of course, with another guest from the Low Carb Road Show. Next week, we'll see you then. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.